श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए गौर भक्त वृंद की जाए बहुत प्रेम आनंद मॉर्निंग एवरीवन सो वी कंटिन्यूइंग आवर डिस्कशन सेंटर्ड अराउंड द स्टोरी ऑफ भगवान श्री नरसिंह नरहरि लास्ट नाइट वी we talked a little bit about the nature of the pranic record if you will in contrast to the way in which the world is explored um by modern science or empirical methodology and how we can expect a different result given a different approach a different tools a different purpose and so forth <clears throat> and how then in the purana the uh, and the upanishads the story of nishinga is told in over 17 different puranas and begins in gopal tapani excuse me nishinga tapani upanishad and in an abstract way and then it's given a concrete form and shape uh, in terms of the narrative and and uh, other players in the narrative introduced um through the different puranas and how the telling of the story is most uh, theologically uh, rich and complete and most perfect in the sense of which the puranas are 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 what their purpose is what the upanishad's purpose is again it, the purpose is to to uh extract us from the maze of matter and um connect us with that by which our fullest potential as a unit of consciousness can be realized so it's objectively speaking that's what i'm saying that the bhagavatam's um presentation of the story of prahlad and shringa taking the abstract idea of bhagavan and shringa from the form of mantra found in the upanishad um that uh, the bhagavats rendering it is 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 most complete most perfect and of course it in 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 telling the story as it does it is no longer referred to as whatever the story of nashringadev but the prahlad charit the character of prahlad and the character of prahlad is his of course his prem hmm? and uh his, the nature of his love and it, and it corresponds with the object of love that Nishingadev is so that the Bhagavatam tells the story most completely in terms of again uh, what the puranas and uh, and the, the Upanishad the revealed scripture of the, the sacred texts of the Hindus are trying to do the great revelation of the east hmm. again contact us and 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 uh extract us from the maze of matter and in the context of doing so connect us with our source and our potential so this latter half in particular is where the bhagavatam excels in that potential and that connection with our source is what um prem is the perfection of hmm? and so the bhagavat is focused on the prem 
of Prahlad, nine or ten chapters um, of the text. So it's the longest story of any avatar other than Krishna himself in the Bhagavatam. And Dev is Krishna himself. As I said last night, Prahlad is several times throughout the, 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 the chapters um, described as uh, being a devotee of Krishna, of Govinda, of um, um, Matirna Krishna, Paratasvatova, these kind of statements. Uh, this is his, uh, Krishna is his Ishtadevata. It's not Narayan, but Krishna. And um, and he came in the form of uh, Nishinga Dev, uh, relative to the circumstances. <clears throat> and as I just mentioned briefly, without going into any detail, the very form of Nishinga um, speaks to us about the the, the wisdom, how, how spiritual people are smarter than materialistic people. Hmm. His form and uh, his the manner in which he dealt with the uh, circumstances at hand that appeared to uh, put his devoted plot into into jeopardy. So we'll go into that. Um, but uh, as we um, segued uh, from <coughs> a general description of what the, the Bhagavad seeks to accomplish by telling the story and how to understand it in relation to our orientation to the objective world and thinking that's the real world um, um, when in fact the subjective world were, is the real world and this is only a, the, uh, our, our preoccupation with the natural world the objective world is like a virtual um, reality only hmm. uh, so uh, having gone through that we, we began to speak about uh, the uh, the uh, as I have just again briefly how the story comes through the different Puranas and so forth and then about Prahlad uh, his character and a little bit about Nishingadev's character the contrast between the two is is quite remarkable hmm? even though the two Prahlad and Nishinga are one as much as the object <coughs> of love and love are one they're very they appear very different at the same time. Hmm? Prahlad is very gentle and Nishringa is very ferocious. And Nishringa is, is divine and Prahlad is, is demonic hmm? as far as his family is born in and, and so forth. He he's not from a, he's not, doesn't appear to be on the same ground standing. He was born on the other side of the tracks is Prahlad's position here. So it's an unlikely um, wedding, meeting, if you will, union, if you will. There are many uh, con- uh, uh, they're, they're, they're at, at contrast in many respects. As Radha and Krishna are at contrast. Krishna is the supreme enjoyer and Radha is the ideal servitor. Of course, you need both, right? And that's the point. Hmm? So the two, Prahlad and the Shringa, are different in one at the same time, interpenetratable, they interpenetrate one one another in terms of oneness and difference. This is the teaching of the Bhagavad as we understand it from Sri Sanatana Jiva Goswami. Our metaphysic, the metaphysic, (coughs) metaphysical ground on which the the ideal, the lila, the reality, 
moves, we call achintya veda veda. Hmm? Uh, simultaneous oneness and identity and difference, oneness and difference, that uh, somehow is the nature of reality and how it's inconceivable how it's in other words it's done by the inconceivable power of Krishna. These log these logical contradictions are resolved by his power. So we can talk about it, we can think about it. In other words I want to just make a side point. When you come to a philosophical discussion within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, for example, and people say one thing and other people say another thing and and then somebody says, Well I just think it's inconceivable Chinti Beta Beta, you know. That's not a proper use of the term. That's not what's being said here. What's inconceivable about the nature of reality is that how it could be one and different when those are, those are diametrically opposed at the same time. Not sometimes one and sometimes different. That's the teaching of Nimbarka, Sampradaya, Dvaita Dvaita. But the word achintya is important. It means they're one and different at the same time. And how? Because Bhagavan has achinti shakti. Hmm? By his achinti shakti. Hmm? So you can't just throw up the achinti card and say, your excuse for not entering into the debate and making or making a, taking a stand on one side or the other amidst a philosophical controversy that really comes to strengthen you. As we are told by... Krishnas Kaviraj, who makes an argument that's controversial in his own time. Hmm? Krishna's too Bhagavan Swayam, and if that's not enough, that Krishna is the source of Narayan and all the avatars, furthermore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. Hmm? He says, what it Siddhanta Chitte Bulia Bulia Chitte. They don't, he said, I'm making a point here, and it's very controversial, but don't shy away from that because it comes to strengthen you and help to ground you hmm, on the tattva, the siddhanta, the tattva, the, 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 again, the philosophical ground or the canvas on which the art of the lila will be drawn. So if you have this canvas in place, then you can draw the lila in different ways and so forth and make different points from that and so forth. Hmm? And, uh, and, and, and uh, explain the text with some, um, in terms of implications of various um, symbolisms and so forth in the, in the, uh, in the, in the narrative, without the fear that the, that the narrative will disappear suddenly. We'll end up with Nirvishesh Brahma. <laughs> that won't happen if the ground hmm, is, is Achintya Veda Veda. Hmm? So, so we talked a little bit about Bhagavan Singha, introducing the characters, if you will, of the of the drama, <coughs> and and somewhat about uh, Perlad also, and then appropriately so about how they uh, they manifest in Gaur Leela. Let us go to Gaur Leela was the idea before talking about a Krishna Leela. This in this case Krishna being manifest in the form of Nishingadev. So he told some nice stories from Chaitanya Bhagavat and Chaitanya Charitamrita and they're just Gaudiya history and the lives of the Arachargas and how Bhagavan Nishinga has played a role. I didn't mention the way in which Prahlad um, 
factors in. I think I said he does, but I didn't mention how. It's uh, it's uh, in, in a in the um, in the person of Haridas um, <coughs> Thakur. You find a parallel that uh, some of the associates of Mahaprabhu have been uh, drawn to, and um, thereby identified the presence, to some extent, of Prahlad in the person of Haridas. Hmm? He's often called Brahma Haridas because that person's Brahma is also hmm, uh, found there, um, but uh, uh, also Prahlad, and this isn't been particularly in relation to the 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 uh, the, um, the difficulty that. Uh, Haridas was put into for chanting Hare Krishna. Hmm? As a Muslim, um, in the Muslim times, or in a time when Bengal was ruled by the by the Muslims, and we've been reading about that in Chaitanya Charitamrita and Chaitanya Bhagavat this morning, um, and how the magistrate, the Chandkazi, who could be seen as Kamsa or Haranyakasipu, um, if you want to wax um, into the, the Sringhalila, the latter would be appropriate, tried to stop the Sankirtan and so on and so forth and and how the Sringha appeared to chastise him in his dream and, and 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 entered from the subjective world, made an appearance in the external world in the form of scratch marks on the chest of the Chandkazi, some trace that led us believe there's another world beneath the surface of the external world. It's more rich in possibilities than, 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 the, obje- than the objective world. Hmm? Trace elements. His footprint was there. His claw marks were there. He really exists because he's shown up in, in the outside world as if the outside world is real. I mean, that's the, that's the illusion. That's the problem. That's what we, we have to get over that. <laughs> um, did he really come out of the pillar? <coughs> you know, and then we're getting to get to that part. Did he really appear out of the stone pillar? The teaching is Bahirna Shingo Hridayina Shingo Yato 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 Yamin Tato Bahirna Shingo Hridayina Shingo. He's inside. Bahirna Shingo Hridayi. Hridayi means the heart. He's inside, and Bahir is outside. He's, is he. Where, I don't see God. Hmm? Where is He? And then the, this is the atheistic, of course, perspective. And the theist perspective is from Prahlad. There's nowhere that I can't see God. Hmm? You ask where He is. How can I point? He's everywhere. Hmm? This is Prahlad's reply. Where is your God? I don't see Him. Arani Kasipu asks. Prahlad says, what? He's everywhere. Hmm? There's nowhere to point to. You understand? We're looking. We, we, did he, did he, can we see him? Did he actually appear here, here, in the real world? Hmm? This is the wrong thinking. You understand? The Prahlad says he's everywhere, and he and, and if you look at him long enough, you think, yeah, I believe this guy. <laughs> look at how he's acting. He, you know, how he's different from everybody in the objective world. That's why I say it may be harder for some people to believe in God. But if they could come in touch with a lover of God, hmm, it would be difficult to deny 
the the character of such a person, its desirability. Hmm? And indeed, indeed, the character of a Prahlad is desirable by everyone. Everybody teaches that what Prahlad is about is desirable. It's just that Prahlad has taken it to the nth degree, beyond what they could even conceive of teaching as a possible ideal for people to strive for. I'm talking about even even secular people teach that we should be like Prahlad. It's hmm? a fact. Unbiased and uh, peaceful and and, uh, and uh, charitably disposed. And, you know, just a, uh, the perfect person is the idea. Hmm? Why is he the perfect person? Because he's in touch with the perfect person. Now, are we, we going to dismiss his meditation, his inner experience that is not appearing, you know, some, in some crude fashion, if you will, uh, before our mundane eyes, hmm? uh, on, on that basis alone. Hmm? His character should move us to get new eyes, new ears, think differently, hmm? uh, and, and then see in the way that he does. This is the idea. Hmm? So again, the, the the center of the text in the Bhagavad is on the love of Prahlad, as it as it, as it as it uh, should be. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> so just Chaitanya Dev anyway. He started the kirtan and the Sri Harai Nama Krishna Yadavaya Namaha Gopal Govindaram Sri Madhusudan, singing the names of Krishna in the streets, going everywhere in the Chandkasi, thought to stop it all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we and we heard how uh, Shringadev changed his mind after he broke the murdanga and ordered the Sankirtan to be stopped. Shringadev appeared in his dream hmm? in the subjective world and showed himself in the external world by scratching on his chest and telling him he would tear apart his chest like he did in the Shringadev or, or Ranikasipu's. Hmm? And pull out his hard heart and give it a, a, a bit of a massage. <laughs> and when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came with his uh, hordes of devotees and by torchlight in the night to the house of uh, the Kazi, who had, who had since stayed indoors, was hiding in his room. Hmm? And the only thing, his messengers came and, and gave reports. I tried to stop the Kirtan, like you said. But it turned. Uh, suddenly, a, suddenly, suddenly, flames burst out, and look, my beard is singed. You know, it's just okay. Well, don't worry about it. Do something else. You know, another guy comes, says something similar, and, and he already had this, this scratch marks on his chest, and he knew the dream was real, if you will. And he was upset. He broke my favorite instrument. We talked about. Shringadev's attachment to Kirtan. After killing Hiranyakasipu, where did he go? He went to Navadweep, to Godrum, the island of Kirtan. Amongst the nine islands, each one represents Kirtan, Shravanams. He went there, he stayed there, he has his place there. That is the place place of Sakirasa also. That is the place where Nanda's, Nandagram is represented. Hmm? And then he is the deity in the house of Nanda Maharaj, hmm? Bhagavan Nanda Shringadev. So. Yeah, he went quite felt quite at home in Nabadweep Dam. Mm-hmm. 
And there he was the protector of the Sankirtan. Hmm? So, <coughs> because the Bengal was ruled by the Muslims at the time, there was a general principle that the Muslims were tolerant of the Hindus and their practices. And they lived together fairly with some congeniality. Hmm? The British probably caused more um, of the um, conflict between the Muslims and the Hindus um, in India, at least, than there had ever been before. Uh, They're partitioning and sending people from either to Bangladesh or to Pakistan and whole families having to leave and the partition and so forth. They lived together for the most part peacefully. And in modern day religious fanaticism, of course in Hinduism is very, tends to be very inclusive and so forth. So at any rate, the, uh, the gentle Hindus were tolerated. And, um, but, if a Hindu should become a Muslim, if a Muslim should become a Hindu, that is a problem because something according to the Islamic doctrine is like, uh, that's not good. I mean, today in modern Islam, uh, Islamic-ruled countries, if a, if, an Is- if, a, if a Muslim becomes a Hindu or a Christian or something, I think they're, the, the, the sentence is, is to be stoned to death, something like that. So they're not fond of those kind of conversions. Anybody can convert to Islam, that's no problem. If you were a Muslim and you converted, then the law of the Sharira or something, I'm not really familiar with it. So, it's... Uh, so, so, Haridas Thakur, he converted. Hmm? Born in an Islamic family, I think um, he somehow wandered into the, the company of Adwaita and and uh, he became a great devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and of notoriety—excuse me, of notoriety for that matter—because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu crowned him the Namacharya. Achar means behavior, so Acharya means one who teaches by their character, by their example. Hmm? And um, he said that the this uh, Haridas. Uh, is the person by whose example we can learn the most about chanting Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, which he chanted 22 some hours a day. Hmm? We He chanted 3 lakhs a day. That's around your beads 64 times times 3. Oh, that's pretty preoccupied. I've heard in modern times people say that uh, certain devotees that they chant three lakhs or even five lakhs, hmm? Um, but they're able to do it in a very short time hmm? because they've learned how to to chant hmm? somehow very quickly and attentively. Hmm? 
rather a joke, to be honest with you, because the whole point of saying that Halidas chanted three lakhs, which means he had, which mean, meant he had no time for anything else, no time, no time. Nidraharavihara had said about the Goswamis, they forgot about eating, they forgot about sleeping, <coughs> forgot about mating, they were too busy chanting Hare Krishna, or in their case, writing books and so forth. But Haridas was just chanting, hmm? and it's, it's made, the case is made there in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagavad Gita, this many hours. The story of Haridas, uh, amongst others, is within the, within the story of Haridas, we find the narrative of how he was chanting, and the one fellow was envious of him and sent one prostitute to try to distract him in the night, hmm? break his vow that he would be defamed. Hmm? So there are people like this. It sounds terrible. There are people. Envy means I cannot tolerate the the success of others. So I have to I have to find fault where there is no fault or create fault even. So I hired a prostitute to go and distract Haridas, and and, and she came and in the in the language of Chaitanya Charitamrita, quite a nice lady, it would seem, <laughs> with a strange occupation, but. Uh, not like today's prostitutes, very respectful and um, and uh, in her language and approach and and so forth, <laughs> so forth. And um, and he uh, being kind to all jivas, hmm? full of jiva dai, he said, "Yes, certainly, I will satisfy you and have union with you. And but I have to finish my vow first for chanting. So you please sit and listen to the chanting." And when I'm finished, then certainly I'll satisfy your request. Hmm? So, of course, he had a long vow. So into the night he went and chanted and chanted. She's listening and listening. Gradually she dozed off hmm? for a couple of, couple of hours. And uh, by the time she woke up, he was starting his vow for the next day. Hmm? So he said, oh, I knew you were sleeping. I didn't want to wake you. <laughs> now I've got another 300 round lakhs, you know, a thousand names to chant. So hang in there. <laughs> hang with me. So, uh, of course, she became converted. Hmm? He gave her Japamala, Harinam, Prabhu, and he gave her a Tulsi plant to take, worship the Tulsi plant, chant in front of the Tulsi plant. Hmm? Your life will become perfect. This is the standard of Haridasa's chanting. His character was impeccable, mm-hmm. so forth. So Mahaprabhu had named him the Namacharya. So not only was he a convert, a Muslim convert, but he's one of notoriety. And so he's, it, 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 he stood to perhaps be an example by which other Muslims would be converted. This is, it would be like double jeopardy for him, hmm? in terms of the Muslim law and so forth. So sure enough, that he was arrested, and it was insisted that he, you know, desist from the chanting, which was his preoccupation, which seemed, which was a, which, which is a kind of a different, also, um, expression of the Hindu Dharma than than people had been accustomed to. It is the Pro Dharma. Hmm? Dharma, but Prema Dharma. Hmm? So it's rather unrecognizable 
even by many of the Hindus, but speak of the, by the Muslims. Um, and so he was ordered to stop chanting, but he could not stop chanting. Hmm? He had his commitment, his vow, and we are to learn from his example. Hmm? We should meet the vow of our chanting and so forth. So, so that he was then sentenced to be, to be stoned or whipped in 21 different marketplaces. That means that, you know, the entire district with its marketplaces where people would go to purchase things and sell their goods. And so they, they would be, he would be made an example. So no one's going to follow his example anymore, <laughs> although he was exemplary. His example led to in, in, um, ramifications that appeared very undesirable. And so he was beaten, whipped publicly in 21 marketplaces, but he did not, not stop chanting. Hmm? And so in, and as he got, when they finished at the 21st marketplace, he was supposed to have either stopped chanting by then or died. Hmm? He didn't stop chanting and he didn't die. And so those who had been given the task of publicly um, making an example of him and whipping him, they suddenly started to become an anxiety because they thought, well, if he doesn't die, he doesn't stop chanting, then the king is going to behead us because we didn't, we didn't do the job. And so perceiving, being sensitive as he was, so he could perceive they were in some anxiety, and he said, is there anything I can do for you? area <laughs> has been you know, beaten in 21 marketplaces. And they said, well, this is our problem. If you don't die, then our heads are going to get cut off. He said, all right. Then he said, I will die, and he threw me in the Ganges. So he seemed to die, and they threw him in the Ganges, and floated down a ways and got up on the other side, and and there he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm, who said, I was there with you, hmm, and embraced him, and all of the markings from the whippings on his body disappeared. Hmm. So the kind of um, torture... Hmm. Uh, and this from kind of like one's own family, if you will, in an extended sense here, one's own tradition, hmm, will certainly be the ones that abuse you the most. Um, uh, is there is a parallel to the life of Prahlad, who was tortured by his father and uh, who wanted him to stop chanting. Krishna hmm. uh, Nam. And, uh, of course, he didn't, and uh, he was put in life-threatening circumstances repeatedly and repeatedly. So this parallel is made, and in, in this way the devotees say, we find the presence of Prahlad, the tolerance of Prahlad, the, the commitment to bhakti of Prahlad in the form of the chanting in the person of Haridas. So in this way, we are discussing a little bit about the the the, um, the presence of Prahlad and Sringa in in Chaitanya Lila, and it's um, it's it's uh, considerable, as we mentioned, presiding Shringadev as he does over Kirtan, and Prahlad being the ex- Haridas being the exemplar of of the chanting. This is central to the whole practice. This is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brought. Uh, how he to the vehicle through which he exported the preem of Goloka, 
to this world, the vehicle is Sankirtan, and by that vehicle you can go there. Golokeru Premodhana Harinama Sankirtana. So it's uh, uh, very central and mm, very important, Leela, very instructive. And um, and so we, in discussing this, we we introduced, as I say, in the Shangri-La, we introduced Prahlad, we talked a little bit about their qualities and the importance to bring it home to us for <coughs> um, Gaur Leela. We explained how Gopal Bhatta Goswami was meditating on Prahlad Charit on the Shringa Chaturdasi, and as a result, his Shila stone turned into the deity of Radha Raman. Hmm? Radha and Krishna came out of his meditation on the, on the on the, the character and the devotion of Prahlad on the, the day of the Shringa's appearance. So you can get Radha and Krishna's love from him in Bhakti Vinod. We ended our talk citing the beautiful Bengali poem of Bhakti Vinod hmm? about uh, in petitioning Bhagavan Nishimadev in Godrum hmm? for his blessing that he might tread the Ragmarg and uh, develop love for Radha and Krishna and live happily ever after in Navadvip Dham. Sri Navadvip Dham ki jai. Sri Navadvip Dham so I said last night that we needed to talk about another, the other principal character in the drama, and that is Hiranyakasipu. So we'll see where that goes and talk a little bit about him. He should be close, close to our, easy to understand. His character should be very, should be able to identify with. Of course, it's extreme, but. A, uh, we have some of those characteristics is the problem. Hmm? Um, but uh, <coughs> I should say that the, the narrative of Nishinga Lila appears in the Bhagavatam where? It appears in the seventh canto. Hmm? And uh, interestingly, the topic that's being discussed in the first chapter where the story begins first chapter of the seventh canto. The uh, subject matter is the partiality or whether or not God is partial. Hmm? Now I touched on this a little bit last night, uh, but it's important and it runs through um, the whole whole ten chapters or so. The actual, uh, the, the kind of the introduction is in the first chapter, and then for nine chapters the story runs. The impartiality of of God. Hmm? Um, this is interestingly also enough the subject of the fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? The center of the fifth chapter is about the impartiality of God. And um, we find uh, that the uh, subject of the impartiality of God appears also in the Vedanta Sutra. Hmm? And the impartiality of God as a topic appears in the seventh canto, in the first chapter. And what ties all three of these together hmm? in the contemporary Gaudiya Vaishnava world 
is the the question that um, some people have as to whether or not one falls from Vaikuntha to come here. Hmm? Interesting. Uh, some people think that we were in Vaikuntha or Goloka and then we fell here. Hmm? And we want to go back there. Why would you want to go back to a place that was imperfect? But anyway, that, that's the confusion. And so, and they, they, they reason about it and they draw some verse from somewhere or something that they think supports the idea and so forth. But in all three of these places, in the fifth chapter of the Gita, where impartiality is discussed, in the Vedanta Sutra, where impartiality of God is discussed, in the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, where the impartiality of God is discussed, this topic comes up directly, hmm? directly, and no more so than in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? This is where the question is directly addressed. Hmm? How it comes up in the Gita, uh, how it comes up, let's, let's start with the Vedanta Sutra. How it comes up in the Vedanta Sutra is the question is asked, it looks like God is not not, uh, not impartial. And one would think that he should be. Hmm? What is the... What, I, I just want to... Let's go for a minute to the Prahlada Leela, right? How is he characterized? One of the ways that he's characterized. Can anyone tell me? Relative to what I'm talking about. No, Prahlada, Prahlada, Prahlada. Hmm? Exactly. He has no friends or enemies. That means he's impartial. Hmm? We have to come to a certain standard of impartiality to then become partial to Bhagwan in a particular way. Hmm? So there's a beautiful partiality of love of God, hmm? but it all arises out of impartiality, which means that real bhajan, real spiritual internal practice, is done on the foundation of Advaigyantattva, non-duality, hmm? beyond the dualities of friends and enemies, goods and bads, happies and sads that all arise in the mind that are all mental concoctions. I like him, I don't like her, and all this. So Prahlad is characterized as being beyond material partiality, hmm? objective. Hmm? And from there, then, the partiality towards Bhagavan will develop, towards Ram, towards Krishna, towards Narasimha, as may be the case. And that's, of course, beautiful. That is the diversity hmm, that appears on, the, on a unified canvas. Hmm. So, if we go, then, where the discussion of partiality of God is brought up in the Vedanta Sutra, hmm, there is asked, it seems like God's impartial because some people get good some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth, as they say, and some people are born uh, impoverished, etc., etc. Hmm? And the answer from the sutras, which are very terse, <coughs> of course, it, it, I should say it, 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 it's a section of, of maybe three or four sutras, um, Anadikaran. And first it is said that the world, hmm? the world of our experience, the objective world is arising out of the joy of Bhagavan, which means what? People say, 
how is this world giving joy to Bhagawan? That's not the, the idea. The point is, the world is arising out of the joy of Bhagawan because Bhagawan has nothing to do. He is only joyful. He has nothing that he needs to do to make him joyful. He's fully accomplished. In other words, he doesn't need anything. Hmm? So when he does anything, it's out of fullness. And that's an act of giving. Hmm? He, he, so he, he, he has, he's not dependent, he doesn't need the world or anything. Out of joy, the one becomes many. And we are the many. This is not, and this happens kind of um, not in time, so to speak. It happens time and time again and with no beginning. As we see, the world manifests, become unmanifest, manifest, become unmanifest. That's linear time. You can see a beginning and an end, but there's no beginning or end to those cycles. Hmm? Understand? So within cyclical time, which is beautiful and peaceful and and um, conclusive, as I said, in cyclical time, you can answer the question, which comes first, the tree or the seed? In linear time, you cannot. Because hmm? if in, in linear time you have a seed, then you have to understand the seed, next one dot, you know, in relation to the previous dot, and and so forth. But you can never find the end of the dots. You can't make sense out of the whole thing. Hmm? So we have a seed, a tree, and a seed, and a tree. Which comes first, seed and a tree, seed or tree, seed or tree, seed or tree, seed or tree. Just keeps going like that. And your mind just goes, eh. right. If you draw the circle, then which comes first, the seed of the tree, the seed of the tree, the seed of the tree. You can easily answer the question. It's a Zen question. Which comes first, the seed of the tree? The answer is neither one. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> you can answer that in a circle. You see in a line, you can't ever answer. You don't know where it's going. Hmm? <laughs> so it's, uh, <coughs> it's a Hindu idea. It's very, you try to get into it. It's very satisfying. Hmm? Cyclical time. That's very nice. And it's very different. Modern time is, is, is science and Christianity kind of modern science was born out of Christianity and it's amazing how much they borrow from Christian thought hmm? and, and, and are so opposed nowadays to it at the same time. Linear time is one of the examples. Previous to Christianity, it was all cyclical time. Then it was thought, what, I don't know, and Jesus appeared now and he's gonna, the world's going to come to an end at a certain time and it's a ter particular interpretation, something like that. And linear time has some pragmatic value hmm, and so forth. But even today, if you look at uh, relativity and quantum mechanics and so forth, you can, you can find uh, arguments for cyclical time hmm, gaining um, ground and so forth. So, at any rate, the sutras say, the world comes out of his joy. He has nothing to accomplish. Trishti Leela, this is called. The Leela of creation. Hmm. And um, then the question comes that, well, within this creation, it looks like he's partial because some people are born with <coughs> with with, um, with, and some are born without. 
And then the sutras reply, no, hmm? that is because of karma, not God. Hmm? Karma means it's not something that God does, it's something that we do that warrants a certain result that material nature meets out or, you know, computes, computes out. Hmm? We interacted with the environment in a particular way and the environment responded. And it's just, and God is uh, overseeing it. And there has to be justice if there is to be mercy, because mercy is an overriding of justice. So if you have no justice, how can you have mercy? Hmm? So the justice, God's not really involved, he's just witnessing. Hmm? And so then the answer, then the question comes, but no, what about at the beginning, when the karma started, then he must have started them out on even, on different, you know, because they went in different directions. He yeah. must have started them on unevenly. And what does the Sutra say? No, because anadi. Because the whole show has no beginning. And then, then you're supposed to go, uh-huh, stop thinking, that's what tell you messages. No beginning. Okay. It has no beginning. You have no beginning. God has no beginning. Hmm. Karma. The world has no... Be God has no beginning. The world comes from God. It's compared to his breath, so... He's got to be breathing if he's going to be, right? Just to use a human type of example, then. Which is what it's doing, it's saying. The world, he breathes out, the world manifests. He breathes in, it becomes unmanifest. Hmm. When was the first breath? That's like asking, when is the first breath of God? So we don't think to ask that question, hmm? right? And then what, what, what is it that keep, what does the world consist of? Consciousness and matter. The jivas and the, and the magic of maya. Hmm. It should be when we say, the jivas and matter, we have these two hard conceptions. They're not that hard, actually, the, the, especially the matter one. It's more like the jiva than, than not. Mm. It has its genesis in consciousness. It's like the subconscious. Mm. It's a psychological thing. It's like the shadow of the substance. So sometimes we talk about them, they're different. One is non-experiential, the other is experiential. That, that's true. Mm. But what matter is really like, even in science they're finding out, it's like, it's more like consciousness or like mind than, than hard things. They're, they're perceptions. Hmm? According to modern science, there are no, there's nothing to knock on here. They acknowledge that. Hmm? Right? They used to think, in other words, everything's built out of these atoms and these pieces, built all together. Hmm. But then they look and they see subatomically how things work, and it, isn't it? Hmm. It's yeah, it's ninety-eight percent space or something like that. Hmm. And we're looking for some space. <laughs> Let me have my space. <coughs> A lot of it around here. It's everywhere. Mm. So, uh, so at any rate, um, uh, the sutra says, "No, God's not impartial. Mm -hmm. 
And um, the reason that there is diversity hmm, of, of uh, well, using an example, the impoverished and the, and the well-to-do is because of karma. The karma has no beginning. Because the world is made up of jivas and, and matter, and what keeps them together is karma. If the karma is gone, there's no longer the world for you. Hmm? If all the karma is gone, then no world. Hmm? If there was a beginning to the karma, hmm? then there had to be a beginning to the world, then there had to be a beginning to God, which is because the world is God's breath and, and so forth. So it just doesn't work. So the sutras make it very clear. It's nice. And, um, and so forth. Bhagavad Gita then, the same thing is brought up. In, you know, whether God is partial, and and uh, the, the text in the fifteenth chapter, it answers no. It's the jivas, it's the jivas, by their karma. Hmm? It's not that God is making one better and one lesser, and something like that. He's impartial. Hmm? We come to the Bhagavatam now, the seventh chapter, where the Prahlad Charit begins, hmm? uh, picking up from the sixth canto. The, the Raj preacher is asking about the partiality of God, because so there's a battle between the devas and the and the demons is found at the end of the sixth chapter, and God seemed to take the side of the devas and so forth. So, question about the partiality of God arises, and and student Raj preacher asked the question, and and Sukadev explains that no God is is impartial. The, the devas. And, 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 and the demons are moving according to the modes of nature and so forth. He gives this nice explanation. And of course, time favors sattva, so sattva will, 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 will win out over time and, um, and so on. Truth prevails, ultimately. And, um, and so, in the context of talking about the impartiality of God, Just lost the thing there. Hello? Hello. Yeah, testing. Hare Krishna. One, two, three. That's a joke. Some of you don't know it. But. Um, he gives an example of, and uh, he goes to Krishna Leela. Hmm? And the example is that, that, what's his name? Shishupal. Shishupal was envious of Krishna. His whole life, he had nothing good to say about Krishna. In fact, he said, what, 108 bad things about Krishna or something like that. And they were close as youths, related, and so Krishna tolerated it. But what did he say? 101 times or something, 109 times, then I'll deal with it. If you go that over that boundary would agitate his devotees, but Krishna was tolerant. Shishupal was very critical of Krishna. And so when, it, when Krishna was being coronated as or, or given the place of the first person to be worshipped at the Rajasuya, mm-hmm. uh, Shishupal came out with it. And Krishna's just counting, okay? I told you. You counting, counting, counting. And after, uh, you know, he crossed the number, then Krishna dealt with him. Um, but the fascinating thing about that is that when he was killed by Krishna, it was seen that he was liberated. Hmm. And so, Sugadev gave him this example that God's impartial. The guy was a demon, and, he, and 
and he killed him, yes, but the result was that he got liberated. And if you worship him in love, you'll also get liberated. Now, the nature of the liberation will be different. Hmm? And the Bhagavatam takes this opportunity there to stress the nature of rag bhakti hmm? and how the gopis and how the cowherds of Vrindavan, they worshipped Krishna. Hmm? And they got liberation, and so did the demons, and so who approached him inimically, but it was different. But regardless, he's impartial in the general sense that he gave both of them liberation, and he gave liberation um, relative to how they were approached. Hmm? That's why the kind of liberation that Sisupal uh, was thought to have attained, he actually attained something better, but, um, or people like Comps and other who are so given an example is is thought to be undesirable hmm, by the devotees. Hmm? It's thought to be undesirable. It's a type of liberation, but kaivalyam narakayate, which says, I'd rather be in hell than have that kind of liberation. Hmm? So, from the devotee's perspective, they went to a worse place than hell. Hmm? But it is a liberated form. So anyway, he gives us an example of the impartiality of God. And Parikshit Mark says, this, this is incredible that Sisupal could, this could happen like this. And, and, and he wanted some further explanation. And so he said, well, there's a long, you know. He, he, he tells the story of Narada and, Narada and Vyas and how this question came up. And and um, as well, and he's showing again how God is impartial, and um, he begins to tell the story of the three births of Shishupal hmm, previously and Dantavakra as Ravan and Kumbhakarna, and as um, Hiranyakasipu and Hiranyaksha, hmm, and how they had fallen from Vaikuntha the gates of Bhaikuntha. Hmm? How God is impartial hmm? Hmm? This is being explained in the, in the context of this, this, this story comes up. Hmm? And Yudhisthira um, tells Narada, I cannot accept the idea that someone has fallen from Bhaikuntha. Again, the topic is the impartiality of God. Hmm? This is... Uh, it's, you see, when you say back to go back to the sutras for a minute, anadi karma, it means no one fell from Vaikuntha. You've been in the material world since the time with no beginning, anadi, beginninglessly. You can end that hmm, by taking the bhakti. And the opportunity is there for you to use your will in relation to bhakti at any time. Hmm. When we say anadi karma, it means you couldn't fall from Vaikuntha. So when it appears that someone fell from Vaikuntha. Obviously, just you're new to philosophy. <laughs> he said, I, I find it hard to believe. How, how could someone fall from Vaikuntha? And, and the story was they got cursed by the sages. This is an important point. Yudhisthira is saying, there's a, lot of th there, there, there's a lot of things in the world, but this, the curse of a sage, that's pretty powerful. Hmm? Even Krishna's God is supposed to support the curse of the sages, which is... Which is uh, done as a like 
benediction for people who can't get it otherwise. Hmm? Um, and he said, even by the curse of a of the sage, I don't think anybody could possibly fall from Vaikuntha. Hmm? Because they have bodies that are made out of the Sarup Shakti, out of Bhakti. Hmm? And this, this Sarup Shakti has the power to dispel Maya and to conquer Krishna, to overwhelm Krishna. So there's no possibility, he said. Hmm? So while people may draw references here and there and think it says this or that, this is the place in the Bhagavatam where the subject is actually discussed. So it's a good place to go to look for the answer. Does anyone call from Vaikuntha? The quality, I want to say, of this reference hmm, is outdoes any quantity of other explanations that may appear in someone's mind to say otherwise. All you need is one example. Why only one? It defeats every other one because of the quality of it. The quality being, it's where the subject is actually discussed. Hmm? And the subject is in relation to the impartiality of Godhead. Where it also comes up in the Vedanta Sutra, where it doesn't ask directly, does anybody call for all from Vaikuntha? But it, it, it answers the question by saying, the karma, which is our conditioning, has no beginning. Hmm? It didn't, didn't, at one point you were liberated and suddenly you fell from perfection. That's not happening. That's why we like we like the idea of attaining perfection. There's no, there's no <coughs> there's no Maya there. There's no envy there, no, and so forth. Hmm? So, nice point on the side worth making in, con- in relation to contemporary discussions in some of the international community of Gaudi Vaishnavism. Is a point we've been making along with others for some time. But, uh, it's not well understood. So you have now a very good. A, a way of, uh, of uh, weighing in on the subject. Hmm? Um, but this, in the context of discussing the impartiality of God, if this runs through the whole Leela, ultimately we see hmm, that Prahlad was impartial. Hmm? This is a good quality, right? objective. Not, as I said last night, bought and paid for by the corporations, the politicians like that, then he's compromised. He's compromised, right? Hmm? So the devotees are not like that. They can be objective. They, they're real. They're standing on the ground of truth, objectivity, and from that, they develop subjective feelings, feelings coming out of the objectivity. It means the objectivity we're talking about means the the not being swayed by the feelings that arise in the mind. Hmm? Yeah, so when we say love Krishna, it's not exactly like, you know, you have to arise above the emotions, the partiality hmm, arising in the factory of the mind. Hmm. And then from the soul proper in relation to Bhagwan, then there's possibility of an emotive life. We call love, we call frame. Hmm. So Prahlad is a very, he's like, like a very, like, important paradigmatic person at the at the very baseline of spiritual life hmm? the baseline of spiritual life you've got to come to the position of Prahlad hmm? to enter into the, the world of spiritual emotion so he's, that way he's such an important person that in your practice whatever it, this has to happen hmm? you have to come to this now there will be, in the context of doing that, 
in bhakti, we'll have partiality towards different devotees, towards different deities. Hmm? And as we progress in bhakti, our spiritual reality, our spiritual personality will develop. Hmm? There will be partiality all in relation to to bhakti. It may look like, oh, see, he's still compromised. He likes this, he doesn't like that, and so forth. Hmm? But he's getting a sadhaka deha. It's becoming spiritual. Hmm? And there's variety. This is a, a nice point in the spiritual world. There's variety means that within the parameters of what is the daydream of God, the leelas, the rasa, the devotees have different desires. And all those desires are pleasing. Some cowards like bananas. Some like apples. And Krishna likes the fact that they like bananas or they like mangoes. He likes that. Hmm? They're not all just automatons, so to speak. They're units of will, free will. Hmm? And it's being exercised under the jurisdiction of and the influence of the Sarup Shakti of Krishna, which means it's all pleasing to Krishna. So they have real personalities, you understand? With differences and real distinction and so forth. But it, it in no way comes into competition or, con- or, or um, um, <coughs> contradiction conflict with others. Hmm? It's, it's, it's the nature of rasa. Hmm? So, Prahlad, the whole story arises out of this impartiality and this is the baseline of Prahlad that we, we, we look at and we see. He was, as I said last night, not partial like the demigods were and therefore not afraid when the Sringadev appeared, their partiality made them afraid, means that they they had friends and enemies' ideas. They were living in material existence. Hmm? And and so they were they're in a compromised existence. They had fear. Hmm? They had attachments. That means they had meanness. Hmm? And so Bhagwan the Shringa comes to directly deal with that meanness. Hmm? He took the entrails of of Hiranyakasipu and wore them like a garland. It's very sounds very grotesque, but then you have to understand what they are. Hmm? He took all of the kind of the attachments and everything like he's saying, I will take all of your attachments. Go rip them out. Hmm? And the, that's it's just very nice of him to do that. It's just difficult to get rid of all of them. Um, and then you become beautiful, mm-hmm. then, something like that. I'll take that as an offering, something like that, to begin with. It'll be the appetizer. We'll just take all of that stuff out, something like that. It's being said, and the gods are like trembling at the thought, and Prahlad is just peaceful. Shingdeva mm-hmm. put his hand on his head, his feet on his head, bless him. Mm-hmm. He's seeing him like a kitten, and they're seeing him like a ferocious lion. So, so this impartiality of Prahlad comes out. And when, and when Hiranyakasipu, who we need to talk about now, um, begins, when the story begins, and the, the narrative, it speaks about the life of Hiranyakasipu, and Hiranyakasipu is under the impression that Vishnu is partial. Vishnu is not impartial. Hmm? He, said, he, he says, so he, he tells his, his friends, Associates, he said, it was one thing if these Vishnu, Vishnu's God, God's impartial, 
but he's not impartial. Hmm? He's become an animal. That's what's happened. Are animals impartial? No. He's become a turtle. He's become a fish. He became a boar. And in the form of a boar, hmm, he killed my brother Hiranyaksha. Hmm? Where's the impartiality? Hmm? He killed my brother. So he's not God anymore. He was God, maybe, they say. But he's not God anymore. Now he's just become an animal. And so we should deal with him appropriately. This is his teaching <laughs> to his friends. Hiranyaksha was the brother. Hmm? And these two, of course, Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakasipu, are the two gatekeepers of Vaikuntha who fell from Vaikuntha. Apparently by the curse of the Kumaras who were impartial. And that's why they cursed them, because they thought the gatekeepers were partial. And there's no room for partiality in the spiritual realm. Hmm? See how it's all centered on this? Hmm? These Kumaras, they're depicted as just young boy, child, children, hmm? naked, four of them. Chatusan Kumara, four sons of Brahma. Hmm? We wanted them to marry, they said no. We wanted to be Brahmacharis, monks. Hmm? And so they were Brahman realized. They were impartial, it means. Hmm? Naked means they were impartial. It didn't matter to them. They, what people thought of them, or what they wore something or not. It, 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 you know, they weren't partial. They could be naked. They weren't attracted to some woman, hmm? or some guy, or whatever. And they were impartial. They had reached such a state. Hmm? And so there they, so in, in their <coughs> wanderings, it said, they came to the gates of Vaikuntha. Hmm? This is thought to be the domain of Vishnu, whose office impartial, they knew. Hmm? He resides in everybody's heart. Hmm? He's partial, not just in some people's heart, not other people's hearts. And then they, they so they, they went inside their hearts. And there they found the gates of that the gates to Vishnu's throne, uh, uh, if you will, were being guarded by some people. Hmm? And those guards were not letting the Kumaras in. And they said, what's this? We've come to, in the name of pursuing Vishnu, we've come, in, in, we've been confronted with partiality. We ourselves are godlike, we're impartial. How can God be partial? These guys are bogus. Hmm? These gatekeepers are bogus. Why aren't they letting us in? They're bogus. They're partial. They let some people in, not other people in. Hmm? This is their thinking. They think they are friends and enemies, that they're wrong. They're, they're, they're they have material in their thinking. God is for everybody, something like that. Hmm? They have a very general idea of God. God is impartial. Hmm? And so they curse the gatekeepers. They don't understand Vaikuntha, so they thought they could have a curse that would have power hmm, over them to take birth as demons, something like that. So Vishnu heard about, oh, that's a commotion at the gate. So he came out, hmm, Vishnu Narayan, and he said to the sages, he said, what have I done? And these guys are very smart. They're jnanis. 
When Vishnu said, what have I done? They had an epiphany as to where they were. Their epiphany was, he said, what have I done? He didn't do anything. The gatekeepers did something. But whatever the gatekeepers did, he considers he has done. Who are these gatekeepers? These gatekeepers are his devotees. Whatever they do, he considers that's what I've done. Hmm? So they have some kind of extraordinary oneness with him. Hmm? And so they, they start thinking, we made a mistake here. We're in new territory here. We left the world of partiality. We've been in the domain of impartiality. Now we're meeting a kind of a partiality of Vishnu towards his devotees. When the sutras explain that God is impartial, hmm, and that karma is the beginningless karma is the reason for the differences, when that adhikaran, when that subject is finished, it goes directly to the next subject. And the question is asked, but he seems to be partial to his devotees. And the answer is, that's a different thing. Hmm? That's not a fault. That's the most beautiful ornament of God, that he's partial to his devotees. Hmm? That makes people want to be devotees. Hmm? That, that's, so there is, there, is, there is partiality within impartiality. Hmm? And bhakti is characterized by both. First you must be impartial, and then you, you know, in the context of that you have impartiality. Partiality. Some like Ram, some like Krishna, hmm? some like Krishna, like this. Hmm? And the spiritual world of variegatedness is made up of all this partiality. It has to be properly understood. So, the Kumaras were just getting in touch with this for the first time. And we're going to take a time for our word from our sponsors <laughs> with that note. And uh, so anyway, they were in a new, the, these Kumaras, they were, they were coming into the idea of bhakti, from jnana to bhakti, and can spin the head of a jnani. Hmm? Hmm? It's very wise. It's something the jnanis could think of on their own, and they're big thinkers. This is another example of how bhakti is really the end of knowledge. Hmm? And so they realized that they had made an offense to the gatekeepers. But Vishnu said, that's all right anyway, let them fall. By the way, incidentally, as it comes out, I was just feeling the urge for virarasa. <laughs> virarasa means like the heroic rasa where there's conquering and fighting and victory and so forth. And, and Vishnu is thinking, Narayan's thinking, I was just feeling an urge for Birarasa. Hmm? But there's no one to fight with here. Hmm? And so, so he honored the curse of the sages so that the gatekeepers, would, who were his devotees, would fall in the material world, appear as demons, then he could come mm, and taste virarasa mm, in relation to them. Mm. Why couldn't Krishna just go fight some other demon and taste virarasa? Mm? Because rasa requires anukul. Mm. It requires, you have to have virasika on the other end. Mm. 
his devotees, with his devotees he can have rasa. Not between Krishna and the demon. Hmm? So his devotees came as Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakasipu. And his Narayan Baraha, this form, he killed Hiranyaksha. And then Hiranyakasipu, the brother of Hiranyaksha, hmm, who hadn't yet been slain and sent to his next birth, they were supposed to get three births. Hmm? Vishnu entered, the, the sages cursed them to be born as demons in the material world. And then Vishnu said, let us honor the curse here in in appreciation of the sages and so forth, and in the humility of Vishnu, and so the, the, the sages are embarrassed now. They're realizing, oh goodness, well, we, the people are greater than us, and we've made offense to them. And so um, he says, but but I, I'll give you gatekeepers the choice. You can take birth uh, seven times as devotees. You have to go to the material world. They were cursed to go to the material world. And Vishnu said, you can take birth seven times as devotees or three times as demons. They said, we'll take three times as demons. Hmm? If we have to go on your order, we'll take three times as demons. Hmm? So it's better to <laughs> you see that. What is their devotion? Hmm? And of course, this then they became the partners in the uh, uh, the players in the in the experiencing of Virasa for Baraha, Ramchandra, and Krishna. Hmm? Three manifestations of divinity, three births, Hiranyaksha, Hiranyakasipu, Ram and Ravana, Ram and, uh, what is his name? Kumbhakarna, and Shishupala and Dantavakra and Krishna Vila. And when they were killed by Krishna, Dantavakra and Shishupala, then they went back to Vaikuntha. Not by Ram and not by um, Nishringa or Baraha. And one of the teachings in that is that Jiva Goswami draws out is only when the demons are killed by Krishna do they actually get liberation. Hmm? That's his special quality. So he is Swami Bhagavan. That's one of his nice points. And he shows it through the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So, so all about impartiality. <laughs> and, <coughs> and then Haranyakasipu is explaining to his friends that look, this Vishnu, he's, he'd become a pig. This is what he said, a, a boar. He'd become a pig. He has no discrimination. <laughs> he's no longer this impartial of this idea. He's basically saying there's no God, there's no this impartial. It's supposed to be impartial. I, I agree with the quality. We should get it materially. We should learn, I'd like to talk about that. We don't need God to be good. You need God to have morals. We create our own system and, and so forth. We can understand what is the greater good and and so forth and uh, evolve a system of morals thereby. So this is what Hiranyakasipu is saying. It's just very contemporary thought hmm? that he that he represents from the atheistic side. Hmm? We don't need God for morality. Hmm? Uh, look at God does all these atrocious things. Read these scriptures. That's what they think today. He's saying, God killed my brother. <laughs> We're supposed to worship him. You know? Look at this Vishnu. Hmm? He's become a pig. <laughs> this is what he said. <laughs> uh, so he made a mission to kill Vishnu. So he convinced his henchmen, his friends, his associates, we kill Vishnu. So how do you kill Vishnu? What will you do? How will you kill Vishnu? Hmm? That's right. So he said, he said, let's stop the worship of Vishnu. 
Wherever there was worship of Vishnu on, he, he reigned in on the sacrifices and stopped them and uh, corrupt uh, and, and, and uh, harassed the Brahminical, the Brahmins everywhere and, and wherever he could. Wherever there was, basically he was dealing with the general idea of Varnashram worship of Vishnu. So he tried to shut that down. All the sattvic activities of the Brahmins in the Varnashram. And he figured this way, very intelligently, without the worship of Vishnu, how can there be a Vishnu? Without worship of God, there's no God. If we can shut down worship of God, then we kill God. God is dead. This was his, his teaching. And we're going to prove it to the world. Hmm? And shut down all this worship and see that we'll have a better world and I'll be in charge. Hmm? Hmm? And you want to talk about power? Then I'm going to, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. And then he began to perform what many people identify with as spiritual practices. Hmm? He, he, and he practiced yoga. He practiced the yoga of standing on one leg, hmm? like with his arms out like this. There must be an awesome like that, something. And on one leg, and uh, for a long time, and, uh, to get power. Hmm? I told you the story. I met a kid once, a young guy, and talking about Krishna consciousness, he was quite interested. He said, well, why don't you join with us? And, you know, he said, well, the thing is, he had the long dreadlocks, and he said, that I'm, my only concern is that I, ha I might have to shave my head. I hadn't said anything about that. And I said, well, why would you be object to that? Hmm? And he said, because all my power is in my hair. <laughs> I kind of chuckled. And I said, you see, the, the thing is, this is not about getting power. This is about understanding and serving the one who's all-powerful. Hmm. And it's not you, no matter how long your hair is, I can tell you that. Hmm. But Hiranyaks had long hair. Hmm. He didn't cut it. He stood on one leg, and he went into a, a trance. He did that, you know? You know what I'm talking about? He hung from a tree with, what do they call those things? Piercings? That kind of thing. This is the kind of thing he was doing. This is called Tama, Thomas. Hmm? The torture the body, to go into an altered state, something like that. Hmm? And there he stayed for a long time. And everybody goes, whoa, there is a guy. <laughs> I've told a story before. On the park run, the path surrounding Vrindavan, who, uh, he, he's, who had a tree they, they stood next to on one leg. Hmm? And his vow was to stand on one leg until the temple was built there. And uh, I used to see him stand on one leg there, walking around in the park run. And um, he went did it for a few years, and eventually he had a whole bunch of other guys who were students who would stand on one leg. That's what they would do. So finally one day I went over to see him. By this time there were people building up, you know, the bricks were going up, and he's standing on one leg, he's standing on one leg, you know. He's still standing on one leg, you know. He's got power, he's spiritual. And so, the, so I went over to check him out, and, and uh, he didn't speak English, but he, he you know, was serving him, and we were trying to communicate, and finally he offered me a, a toke, you know. You wanna, he was a smoker. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, so these kind of people 
the general people think they're they're spiritual. The devotee won't look spiritual. He's just an ordinary person but with a very different motive. And so, uh, and he he actually wasn't quite as powerful as Ranikasipu. <laughs> uh, he he actually stood on one leg, but he had something that he leaned on at the same time, like a little sling or something like that. And he leaned on it, was attached to the tree. So it was cheating. But people were duped by that, and uh, and so from his austerity, from his tag, what did he get? Bog. In other words, he did all this austerity, and what was the result? The people gave him things. The whole point of austerity is to give up things. So it's just an endless circle. Just by doing austerity, just by doing tag, you get bog. By doing bog, you want tag. By doing tag, you want bog. So you're just stuck in, a, in, in material existence. It's just another form of materialism. No matter how subtle his powers were and so forth. And he developed all types of yogic powers and, and yoga sutras speak about it. Don't, don't go after the powers. It's a total distraction. Right? But is clear on that. And so, but he was into the power. Hmm? And um, so the story is told like this, of course, that he, um, the whole universe was harassed by him, all the godly people, the devas, the gods, and, and so forth. So Brahma was petitioned, you've got to do something about this, the chief of the gods, and it was Brahma who intervened. Hmm? And um, intervening on the case, then um, he had to give some benediction to Brahma, to Karanyakasipu, because even Brahma's compromised. Hmm? So all the gods are compromised. That means if you do one thing, you're going to get this from the world. Hmm? It's a trade-off. That's why Prahlad said, Nasa Brittisarayavanik. Don't be a merchant, be a servant. Don't be a merchant. I'll give you this, God, you give me that. There's no love in that, he said. This is the devas, you give them this, they have to give you that. They have to. Krishna doesn't have to do anything. And love should not be motivated by the desire to get anything. So that will capture Vishnu. You understand? That's otherworldly. So, he wanted something big, and he did something in such a way that the world had to respond to give him power, or an appearance of such. And those who themselves were compromised by desire, then they were threatened by him. So this is a little something about, I wanted to introduce him, Hiranyakasipu. His name means, Hiranya means gold, and Kasipu means like soft cushion or soft bed. And this is then characterizes material existence. We want money, and from the money we want comfort. Hmm? Right? We want money and a soft cushion. Hmm? This is material life. So he's the personification, if you will of materialistic uh, ambitions and ideals. And he went to great extremes hmm, to attain his objective and with the thought that there, really there's no God and I'm going to prove it and, and um, 
this, this is uh, so. This is a very contemporary story. I mean, you could just tweak it a little bit, and and um, make a very contemporary novel out of it. Uh, it's not an old tale. It should be retired, something like that. <coughs> In this way, we're at the beginning, really, of the of the story, and how Aranyakasipu gets a particular blessing from Brahma. Brahma had to give him something. He's compromised too. Uh, and uh, as we'll hear tomorrow, uh, tonight we'll we'll ask for questions. We're going to have a fire, right? It didn't rain. Yeah, yeah. And then tomorrow there'll be more guests, and we'll tell the whole story. Basically, uh, I want to just introduce the characters, make a few points for everyone's consideration. Any question? What's the time now? Okay. What's the question? I have a question in the middle of the talk. You're talking about the Catholic Church and the Sutta as they develop their spiritual or uncover it. Develop it. Develop it. Develop it. There'll be some uh some Right. Yeah. Well, of course, the beginning is is, is attraction towards a particular relationship with Krishna, like a friend of Krishna, or like a, uh, like a, a, a romantic love for Radha and Krishna, this kind of thing, um, and uh, that's partiality, right? And then, um, and then within that, of course, the personality develops, and that personality will have, um, well, its personality, <laughs> and individuality, and the personality. What is a personality? Personality is your differences, your likes. That's what it is, because you like this and you don't like that, and that's what kind of person you are. Hmm? So, with the bhakti interface, so to speak, the jiva can develop a spiritual personality. Now, um, as sadhakas, then, before even that happens, which is more developed stage, right? First there is the uncovering of the self from matter, and then it's the, the, the development of the self in terms of being a personality that the bhakti environment or interface provides you the opportunity for. Um, so, in, in, in particularly, yeah, in the higher stages of sadhana, ruchi, asakti, and bhava bhakti, this is personalities cultivated. For that, mostly we're cultivating the uncovering part, jeto darpana margin, uncovering it from matter and deconstructing the material personality. Still, at the stage of deconstructing the material personality, we will develop an affinity for a certain group of devotees, a certain teacher, guru, and so on and so forth. And that will have something to do, uh, obviously, also with our spiritual partiality and identification with a particular group and, and so forth. Hmm? Um, <coughs> and accordingly, we'll identify with, with, um, with a group of associates that have a like faith and something there was a particular type of bhakti um, is is coming to us 
through the association that we have. And um, it's happening to other people, too. And so we have some hidden kind of underground resonance with others and so forth that either transcends the like-mindedness that will be there. And it's, well, it's, I must say it corresponds with the like-mindedness, but take goes goes further. Like-mindedness means, well, my faith is coming in the same way. I feel moved by that um, sadhu. And yeah, I do too. Uh, so this is a, this is, this is uh, what do they call it? Um, sajatiya. Sajatiya. Hmm? Like, it means like, so it's from the same jata, like-mindedness, basically. Hmm? Hmm? Same group, same faith. The person is their faith. As your faith is developing through through sangha, then this is so. It works like that. And the spiritual partialities starting to manifest therein. I like the sangha, hmm? and that, that's spiritual. I like this group, and it nourishes my soul. Hmm? And that group over there, I like them at a distance. I respect them, they're devotees. But I don't feel like the same way with, with them. And then within my group, there will be some also. I really, I really like you know, these ones, this one. Yeah. And that's nourishing me, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, can I help? Okay, yes. So material conception of self that's purified and sweet shelters coming in and giving us an identification of the spiritual personality. So do we really see in Sadaka that stage of impartiality that you would see in a Indiani Not like that. Well they don't conduct themselves like that. I mean they may, you know, you, you, you find examples of Goswami's austerity or something like that, and you can say you know, you, you can you can see that they have whatever the Gyanu might have, Raghunathas, you know, eating a little buttermilk in two days or something like that. These are these are Shridamash said they were like the Goswamis they did this to to they set this kind of example, some of them, to to demonstrate in the times that the worship of Radha and Krishna and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu they were involved in and advocating has everything that the Maya bodies have and not. So some devotees, they set an ex- extreme example of renunciation by which people could understand that. Siddhamar said they took gems, gemstones, hmm, and drilled holes in the gemstones, which you need to do if you're going to make a garland of gemstones. This is what the Goswamis did. And they left us to just put the string in. Hmm? So... That kind of standard, is, 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 that is not expected. But, but, and but it will, you know, in our particular, you say, uh, Paribar is very much involved with interaction with the public and preaching and so forth and so on. So you're going to see all kinds of partiality in preaching. Hmm? That's what it's about. It's about discrimination. Hmm? It's appropriate. Partiality. Hmm? The, 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 the characteristic of the intermediate devotee, who, where the preaching is done on the intermediate stage, hmm? is well, we're going to avoid this 
these kinds of people were in it, so I said, you have to perform this, that will call our, our progress and so forth. For preaching, you have to discriminate. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be an Uttamadikari, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would show Uttamadikari, he couldn't preach, then he would just... gone. Mm-hmm. Then he would come back, and he would make discrimination. Mm-hmm. He was full of discrimination. So you can't be an Uttamadikari and, and preach. Mm-hmm. You could be an Uttamadikari, but you have to like be in a Madhyamadikari kind of space. To discriminate, there's this really hallmark, proper discrimination, hmm? in order to preach. Now you, you, you should be able to take somebody from that situation, pull them out, and say, you know, we don't need to just go sit in the floor. He's content to sit there too. Hmm? Does that help? But yeah, I mean, it also, like I said before, the Nagyan Marg, people advance by detachment, and in Bhakti Marg, we, we advance by attachment, by, by attaching ourselves to devotees and the, their ways and what Krishna likes to eat and, and so forth. In a general sense, you give up what you like to eat. Maybe you like to eat meat or something. Like that. You give that up and you eat what Krishna likes. You know, and I have partiality, something like that. You know? Where his remnants and so forth. This is what Uddhava said. Our impartiality is like this. We only wear the clothes that Krishna hands down. Hmm? And they were royal clothes and Uddhava would wear them. So. That's our austerity. That's what we do. That's what he said like that. <laughs> and it's pretty comfy. We look good too, don't we? And meanwhile, you've got these Gyanis walking naked, ashes and dreadlocks. They're always angry. <laughs> Cursing people and, and now they got cell phones, right? Kumbamela. Yes. She performed austerities to get money? Austerities make money. <laughs> and uh, what did she do? Well, like she was fat. She was fat. She only ate like um, she, 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 she would eat once a day and just just tons of salt and spicy And people would give her money for that. Oh, and then she thought that would. Yeah, it's not what the recommended teaching. Yeah. Yeah. To get Krishna as their husband, they perform the austerity, but the, that is a, that is a, that is a, is bhakti appearing 
like Varnashram, something like that. That's a different thing, right? Yes. Any question? I believe Varnas Padam and so it's so is he compromised? Nard is not compromised, no. But he's a, a he's a farcical Narda, he as he's called. He's uh he's not compromised. He was um looking forward he's a forward looker in terms of the Leela to the appearance of Prahlad. Mm. And so he didn't want to get in the way. He wanted to allow it to go on. And so for the Prahlad was born, he became the guru of Prahlad. And he knew that with, with, with that Ranikasipu, we have a child, and then so, and then, and, and I will enlighten the child, and Bhagavan Mishinga will come, and the whole world will learn so many things. And so therefore he appeared to be going along with him, and, and so forth, and he wasn't compromised. That's his, his play. He had a bigger idea in mind. Does that help? Okay. All right. So we will meet again tonight. You had a question or no? No. And we'll have some questions and answers. And tomorrow we'll tell a whole story. And there'll be initiations tomorrow. And who's get initiated? You're getting initiated. You get initiated. And you know, Bihari wanted second initiation, but he didn't come yet, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, Bihari. Yeah. He'd probably show up at the last one. Yeah. 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 I was expecting him to come today. Okay. Sri Bhagavan Nasingadev ki jai. Bhakti Prahlad Maharaj ki jai. Or Bhakti Brinda ki jai. <laughs>